listening to Treasuring Scripture, a podcast of the weekly teaching ministry of Lebanon Baptist Church, Roswell, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry, please visit us at LebanonBaptist.org. Aren't you glad that our Lord Jesus came for the unfaithful? You know, every baby that has ever been born besides Jesus came into the world, as the Bible says, we were shapen in iniquity. And in sin, our mothers conceived us. We are the unfaithful. But God in his perfect timing, in the fullness of time, sent forth his son to come and die for all of us unfaithful ones. And what a beautiful song. And uh, what a beautiful reminder this morning of the greatness of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, as a pastor who is now a Uh, is approaching his 10th year at Lebanon Baptist Church, I speak about the Christ child uh, every year around this time and many times numbers of services. Uh, We've looked at Lebanon Baptist Church at a number of different texts that pertain to the birth of Jesus Christ. Today, as we celebrate the Christ child, We're going to investigate Jesus from a little bit different angle. We're going to investigate him through the other child. You say, what do you mean, the other child? Well, when my wife and I were expecting our third child, uh, there were four other babies babies expected at around the same time. Our church had lots of things going on at that point. Our church ended up having five babies born within six days. The only day we took off was the Lord's Day on Sunday. So it was like boom, 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 rest, another baby was born. In fact, Jen and I visited one of those couples in the hospital, and the next morning I knock on their door and tell them that we're next door. We had our baby that night. It's interesting that there is more than one baby in Luke 1 and 2. We often, and we should, focus in on our Lord Jesus Christ. But there is another baby that is very prominent in Luke 1 and 2. And his name is John the Baptist. The Bible devotes a very significant portion of material to this other baby. In fact, if you survey the first two chapters of the book of Luke, you'll find that it kind of alternates between Jesus and John the Baptist. Jesus and John the Baptist. You have John's announcement, and then you have Jesus' announcement. You have Mary's pronouncement, and you, then you have Zechariah's pronouncement about John the Baptist. You have John's birth, and then you have Jesus' birth talked about. And the question would go, why so much material dedicated to this other child, John the Baptist? And I submit to you, it is because you can learn a whole lot more about Jesus through John the Baptist. And so today, really simply, what I'd like to do for our remaining moments is for you to understand Jesus Christ clearly through John the Baptist. 
look through his life and see a little bit more brilliantly the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done for you. Your life is going to depend on what you do with Jesus Christ. Your eternity depends on what you think about him and what you have done with Jesus Christ. And so it's important for you to know about him and John the Baptist is a beautiful key into understanding more about Jesus. One of the most famous texts in all of our Bible is found in the first chapter of the Gospel of John. And I invite you to turn there, John chapter 1. The first 18 verses are what... Many have labeled the prologue, the introduction to this beautiful gospel. And in this prologue, John the Baptist has a very prominent spot. Many of you know that it opens with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And really, it's a pronouncement of the deity of Jesus Christ and all that he is and how he created the entire world and now how he is from the beginning. He is eternal. And as the prologue opens, it takes a little bit of a stop and then focuses on this man, John the Baptist. And I'd like to focus in on John chapter 1. Listen to what it says in verse number 6. It says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. This morning, I'm going to answer two simple questions about John the Baptist. And as I do, we are going to, Lord willing, all of us, understand Jesus more brilliantly and clearly. First question is simply this, who was John the Baptist? Let me give you just some basic data about this guy. First thing you need to know is that he's different from the other John in your Bible. You know, there's John the Baptist, and then there's also another John by the name of John the Apostle. He was also a disciple of Jesus Christ. John the Disciple not the Baptist, John the disciple wrote numbers of the books in your New Testament, including the Gospel of John, 1st and 2nd, 3rd John, and the book of Revelation. John the Baptist wrote no books of the Bible. John the Baptist dies very young. John the disciple dies at a very old, much older age. In fact, as I told you, he wrote one of the last books of your Bible. So he's different from John the disciple. Another bit of data is this. He was human. Different from Jesus in one way. Jesus, as we have learned here, even in the last few weeks, Jesus was the God-man. He was fully God and fully man at the same time. John the Baptist was simply human. In fact, the text that we just read, verse 6, it says there was a man, a human. And we learn from other texts that he was the son of a barren priestly couple by the name of Zechariah and Elizabeth. 
We read of his announcement of birth, you could say, in the book of Luke. And so what I'd like for you to do is I'd like for you, if you can keep a marker here in John 1, because we're going to come back here, but I'd like for us to kind of flip-flop between John 1 and Luke 1. And so turn over to Luke chapter 1 for just a moment, and let's learn a little bit more about this man, John the Baptist. Here we read of his birth announcement. It says this in Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. It says, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. And the text goes on and explains a really incredible story. Because Zechariah was part of a priestly tribe, many of you don't know that there was rotations going on, and, and different families within the tribe of Levi would take their, you could say, month of service. And so Zechariah, being a, uh, a son of Levi, part of the priestly office, had a job during a certain time of year to come and to minister at the temple. And it was, when it was his turn, and he probably had one chance to do this when it comes to all the different ones uh, having to serve within uh, the temple at that time, he probably had one chance to be able to light the altar of incense. And so he goes into what we would know as the holy place, and as he is getting this great opportunity to perform his work, all of a sudden there's someone else in the holy place. And who is it? It's Gabriel, an angel, and he is startled. And what happens is this, Gabriel tells Zechariah that he and Elizabeth are going to have a son. And of course, he's thinking about his age. He's thinking about, okay, this is not normal. And so he at first doubts. And because he doubts, the angel tells him, he says, for a while, you are going to be mute. You are not going to be able to talk. And so you have this incredible extended account of John the Baptist and what he's going to do, and we'll find a little bit more in just a moment. But you see, number one, he's different from John the disciple. He's human. He was born of Zechariah and Elizabeth. We also know that he was related to Jesus. In fact, he was Jesus's cousin through his mother, Mary. In fact, if you continue to read in the book of Luke 1, you'll find that Mary, once she finds out that she's going to have the Christ child through the Holy Ghost, she goes and visits her cousin Elizabeth, who is already six months pregnant. And when she shows up at Elizabeth's house and she begins to talk, what happens? John the Baptist, who is in Elizabeth's womb at that very moment, the Bible says that he leaped for joy. That's one lesson on life in the womb. 
how a baby can have joy even in the womb. So we know he's related to Jesus humanly on, of course, Jesus' human aspect. He's also, as I just laid out to you, he was six months older than Jesus, and he began his ministry to Israel just a little bit prior to Jesus. We also learn that he grew up and ministered in the wilderness. He was not a city guy. He was more of a wilderness guy. In fact, in Luke chapter 1, go down to verse 80 of Luke 1 and listen to what it says here. It says, after John the Baptist was born, it says, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance in Israel. And as he begins to minister, what you also find, very unusual, is he had unusual clothes and an unusual diet. I'm not going to have you turn there, but in Matthew chapter 3, I have it here in front of you, it says, now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. Now, most of you say, that's not unusual. I have a leather belt. I got a leather belt. But a camel's, camel's hair garment leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about Jordan was going out to see him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. So what you learn is that he lived a very ascetic life. While Jesus, what we find, was one who was a friend to sinners and went to the parties and extended the gospel to, in many ways, the sinners within the cities. John was accused of being an ascetic away from everybody. So that's some basic data about John the Baptist. As you consider those particular facts, we see, and as a reminder to all of you, that God has a plan. He had a plan for John the Baptist before he was ever born. There is a God who's in charge of everything. He knows everything about you. The Bible says he knows the amount of hair on your head at this very moment. And we see from other texts that he knows what people are going to do even before they are conceived. In fact, in Jeremiah, many of you are familiar with the prophet Jeremiah. Listen to what the Bible says about him. Jeremiah, it says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you and appointed you a prophet to the nations. The Bible teaches from cover to cover that God has an ultimate plan and he is working out that plan. And that plan from eternity past has been to send his own son, Jesus, to redeem the world. Many of you know the text where it says he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Did you know that all of you in this room, you may not know this, you may not believe this, but the Bible teaches that all of you are playing parts in this great drama. He is placing people at all the right times in all the right places. You know the famous story you read in Luke, how Caesar Augustus had all the world to be taxed? 
You know what? That was just a pawn move by God because he knew he needed to get that little baby who was in Mary's womb to Bethlehem to be born at a certain time because the prophecy said he would be born in Bethlehem and God used even Caesar to maneuver the Christ child to be born at just the right place at just the right time. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. God has a plan for everyone in this room. You were created ultimately to give God glory. In fact, you read the book of Genesis. You and I were created and designed in God's image, and we are to image him. However, you also read in Genesis of the problem that all of us face, and it's this. We are now living in a world of sin. Man chose to rebel. Bible teaches in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and we fall short of God's glory. But, but even in the midst of your own fall into sin, ultimately, even those of you who rebel and refuse to live for Jesus Christ or never recognize him, let me tell you that all of you one day will be used to glorify God. You will either glorify God in your judgment or you will glorify God in your salvation. Remember even Pharaoh, the man who stiff-armed God's people? What did the Bible say? God raised up Pharaoh. And you know what? God is in charge of all things. And he raised up John the Baptist. He raised up Jeremiah. And he's raising up you. But everything, all of life centers around your reference to Jesus Christ. And God had a role for John the Baptist to play and to fulfill. You know, the worldview of this world is that everything is by chance and that you choose everything for yourself. You choose your own adventure, okay? Okay, that's what our world tells you, but the Bible tells you that there is one in charge. And the Bible teaches, yes, there is human responsibility. But above that human responsibility and standing in beautiful tension is the sovereignty of God who is working all things out to its final end. And John the Baptist was a man who was chosen by God with a task. You say, what was that task? Now, it brings us to our second question, the last question. It's this, what was John the Baptist's specific purpose? What was he called to do? Well, go back to John chapter 1, okay? I told you we'd go back and forth. In John chapter 1, verse 6, we read this. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. His job... And God's specific purpose for him was to be a witness to the light that was going to come into the world, and it was to that light that all the world needed to believe in. In fact, that was confirmed by Gabriel. Remember when I had you read just a few moments ago in Luke chapter 1? Gabriel told Zechariah when he was inside the holy place, he told him some specific truths about 
this son that was going to be born. In fact, he says to him this in Luke chapter 1 verse 16. He says, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he, your son John the Baptist, will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and though disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Did you catch that? Zechariah knew that his future son was going to have the power like an Old Testament prophet by the name of Elijah. And he was going to be the very one that God used to prepare the people for the arrival of Jesus. All of us are familiar with uh, movie trailers, where what they do is they send out a trailer months and months before to build the anticipation so that everyone will be at the box office on opening night to be able to catch this big movie. You know what John the Baptist was? He was God's sovereign trailer that he sent and he said and he prophesied that one day he would send, you could say, a voice out in the wilderness who will start crying and he will prepare the way for God to show up. That is what John the Baptist was. Prophets told of this one who would prepare the way. In fact, it's repeated in Luke, at the end of Luke chapter 1, in verse 76, Zechariah is praising God for what he has done. And he says this, this is a quote from John the Baptist's dad in reference to his son. He says, and you, child will be called the prophet of the Most High, and you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. In fact, if you've noticed, I have referenced both John, one of the Gospels, Luke, another one of the Gospels. Earlier in the message, I referenced Matthew. And in order to just fill it out and give you all four Gospels, listen to what Mark says in reference to John the Baptist. He opens the gospel with this, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then he quotes, he says, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. Okay, so what he's doing there is he's quoting Mark, one of the greatest prophets of old who had prophesied 700 years before the coming of Jesus. Isaiah said this, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And then it says this, John appeared. He was the one, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him. And we're being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. So this man, John the Baptist, he was God's trailer. He was the prophesied voice that would come from the wilderness, that would prepare the way of Jesus. And what he would do is he would be, in many ways, the word that hope was alive. Okay, the theme of our song service at the beginning was hope 
is alive. John grew up in a world, John the Baptist, and he ministered in a world in which hope seemed to be very dim. Rome was in charge. Yes, there were messianic expectations that were rumbling, but the people were in darkness and they were just looking for some sort of hope. It's a lot like our world. We live in a world and, I mean, without Christ, there's not any hope. I do not know how people put steps in front of each other rightly, and they don't put it in front of each other rightly unless they know who Christ is, because in him we live and move and have our being. He's the one who gave you every single breath. But John the Baptist was in a world where hope seemed to be dimming. We live in a world where hope seemed to be dimming. And what John would announce is this, hope has come. Hope is alive. Recently, uh, I think a couple of my boys and I were able to watch a documentary by National Geographic on the Thailand youth soccer team that got trapped in that huge underground cave in 2018. You remember that whole story? It was the, the rainy season and Thailand had started early. And because it started early, there was just a, this soccer team, 12 kids between 11 and 16, and their coach who had gone exploring this cave. And unbeknownst to them, a downpour had come. And as a result of that downpour, the cave system, a massive cave system, flooded. And this little team, they were two and a half miles from the cave entrance, and the cave was totally, I mean, almost totally flooded. Everyone, in many ways, had lost hope that they were even alive. The documentary talks about these two British divers who someone had known and knew that they were very skilled at cave diving. That's kind of a niche, okay? Most of you have not done cave diving, okay? And so they flew these guys from Britain and they arrived on the scene and they, they tried different things. And like, it was like, there's no way to even explore. This is so hard. But they continued to persevere. And after nine days, can you imagine that? Nine days, they navigated this incredible stretch of the cave and they found these boys. Could you imagine being one of those boys and their coach and you're in the middle of this pitch darkness, water surrounding you, and all of a sudden after all this, a head pops up out of the water and says, we are doing everything we can to bring you rescue. Can you imagine the hope that had been lost that arrived on the scene when that diver with his British accent which probably none of them understood, okay, began to try to communicate with them. When John the Baptist showed up on the scene, he brought hope. In fact, he said this, there is someone among us today that I am not even worthy to unloose the sandal of him. He's here. He's arrived. And John the Baptist, 
He had a special witness about Jesus. He called people, and what he was doing was this. He was telling all the crowds at that day to recognize that they were sinners. And because of their sin, they were under the judgment of God. And he called them to a word, repent. And that meant this, to change your mind about your sin, to turn from your sin and show your repentance. And what he would do is he would baptize them in the Jordan River as a symbol of their change of heart. I don't want my sin anymore, but it didn't go far enough. He said, I baptize you with water, but there is one coming who will ultimately baptize you with the Holy Spirit and give you life. You need to look to him. He was all preparatory. In fact, going back to Luke chapter uh, 3, listen to what he says to the crowds as they were all coming out to see him. It says this, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, that kind of gives you what's going on in the world. Going down to verse two, it says, the word of the Lord came to John, the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around Jordan, proclaiming the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the books of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be brought made straight and the rough places shall become level ways and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. And then it says this about him. He said, therefore, to the crowds that came to him out to be baptized, he said, you brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children from Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, what shall we do? And he answered them, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, teacher, what must we do? And he said to them, collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, and we, what shall we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation. And then he says this, and be content with your wages. And as the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His willowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. And as John the Baptist is out preaching, what was the, of course, 
the natural question. People came to him and says, are you the Messiah? Are you the chosen one? And of course, what was his response? You read in John, he says, no, I'm not. And they said, but who are you? He says, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make ready. And then he did something that really made Jesus' reality crystal clear. I want you to turn one last time to John chapter 1 if you're not there. In fact, Kent, who sang for us, gave us a trailer of this in our song service. It was in the middle of all of his baptizing. John wasn't necessarily for sure who Messiah was. Even though they were cousins, he wasn't necessarily for sure. But God had told him, and God had said this, John... The way you're going to know who Messiah is, is this. As you are out baptizing, the one that you see the Spirit of God descend on him like a dove, he is the one. And then it was interesting. Evidently, he possibly had had some interaction with Jesus before. Because when Jesus goes to be baptized by John the Baptist, what does John the Baptist do? He stops and says, wait, you should probably baptize me. Because evidently he was very aware of Jesus' perfect lifestyle. Maybe not perfect. He says, man, I've never seen this guy sin. You're exactly right. He never did sin. But after he baptized Jesus, he saw the Spirit descend on him, and then John knew he is the one. And so what does he do? Listen to what it says in John chapter 1. Verse 29, it says, the next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and remain on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I bore witness that this is the Son of God. And then he says to his disciples the next day, verse 35, the next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold the Lamb of God. That little statement is one of the most significant statements you can ever chew on in your life. Many of you know that lambs during that day were used to sacrifice for people's individual sins in order to be a picture of one day how God would provide the ultimate lamb. And what John was saying was this, this person in the flesh, Jesus Christ, is none other than God's lamb who has the ability to take away the sin of the what? Of the world. 
So they needed to turn from their sin, and they needed to look to the Lamb of God. Of course, Jesus himself, what would he do? He would allow himself to be sacrificed on a cross in order for you and I to have all of our sins forgiven. And the world, at that point, they didn't recognize him. In fact, continuing on in the prologue, it says this, and he came into his own. He came to his own people. He came to his own land. He came to his own temple. He came to everything that was his own. He had created earth. He came into his own, and his own people did not receive him. But then it says this, but to those who did receive him, he gave the right to become children of God. All of you in this room, your life hangs in the balance, and it all depends on this. Have you received Jesus as your only course of action for eternity. He is the only one who can save you. You have got to turn from your sin, as John the Baptist said. Turn and look to him. And the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. How can you become a child and be saved? Realize you're a sinner. Realize what your sin will do. It it will ultimately bring you to death and ultimately to an eternity separated from God in hell unless you turn to the only answer in this world, and it's the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, to be your Savior. You've got to receive him. You're at a place right here at Lebanon Baptist Church that there are a number of people have already testified that they have received him as their savior. I did a number of years ago, and my life has totally changed. He has given me hope. He has given me purpose. He has given me life. And once you do receive him, let me tell you as well, he will forgive all of your sin, and he will transform you into being Jesus's new witnesses during our day and age. You remember John the Baptist? He was born to be a witness of Jesus's first advent, his first coming. Those of you in this room who've come to know Jesus Christ, you have been born again so that you would be witnesses of his second advent. In fact, what did he tell all his believers? Go and make disciples of me. Be my lights. Be my spokesmen. Be my voices in the wilderness of your world. And you bear witness of me. In fact, he said that to the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says this, therefore, we, those of us who are believers, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We are God's chosen witnesses to this generation. Just like he was the voice, you're the voice. So today, what I wanted you to do in this service was to understand who Jesus Christ is clearly. 
There's so much more I could tell you this morning about John the Baptist. He was simply one guy who pointed people to Jesus Christ. And you know what? That's what Christmas is all about. It's about Jesus. And my hope today is that I just pointed you through John the, John the Baptist. Look at Jesus. He can take away your sin. He can give you hope. He can make it alive again, and he can transform your life. And those of you in this room, those of you who know him, be that voice in many ways that heralds his name till he returns again. And let me tell you, we have no idea when that is going to happen. But you know what? We anticipate it. And I hope that there's joy in your heart today knowing what he has done. He has come, he has died, he has risen, and he's coming again. Share the wonderful message of him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he was indeed the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. We thank you for preserving in our Bibles this story of John the Baptist so that we can use his life in many ways like a telescope to point us to Jesus. Lord, if there is anybody today who doesn't know Christ as their Savior, Lord, may today be the day that they come to know him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know what? I want to thank you for being here today. And I want to particularly say, I have prayed before I, I preach this morning, I pray with some other people here, that if there was some people in this room who don't know Christ, that maybe today that God would help you to come to know him. And if you want to talk more extensively, or if you want to investigate more, let me encourage you to come up and get a copy of the Gospel of John. One of the most helpful things you could ever do is just read through the Bible and investigate yourself. In fact, the gospel of John was written, John says, these things have I written unto you that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So if you're investigating, let me encourage you to start that journey this Christmas time, and I hope you'll find him. As we end our service, I uh, do want to say a couple of things. First of all, we have a set of missionaries that are back for just a short time. Preston and Zoe, would you wave your hand back there? Preston and Zoe are here from Germany. They, uh, they came back for two weeks. So this is your last chance on a Sunday to see them because they were at a wedding last weekend and they're here this morning. So let me encourage you, if you haven't got to talk to them yet and they've got lost in the crowd over here, to say you love them and spend some time with them and continue to pray for them as they serve there in Germany. And the final thing is something I sent out to all of you, uh, our church sent out to be praying for. Many of you heard that one of our own members, John Stewart, is right now in ICU at North Fulton Hospital. Uh, he has COVID and a uh, very serious case of it. And, uh, and John has been at our church for years and years and years. And so I am requesting that all of our church family would pray deeply for him. And uh, I, I found myself, when I woke up in the middle of the night, I just started praying for John. And uh, you pray, of course, for his wife, Valerie, and uh, their children, uh, three grown children, over four grown children. Uh, Jenny's a freshman in college. But would you just pray that God would, and of course, join me. And I, I pray that God would deliver him from this and give him much more time to invest in our church family. And so today, I know we've been celebrating Jesus. And because we have Jesus, there is 
tons of hope, okay? We have hope not in just this life, but in the life to come. But would you join me as we close our service? I'm going to pray particularly for John, that God would deliver him, and pray for our church as we minister over this holiday season. Join me as I pray. Thank you for listening to Treasuring Scripture. It's our desire that every Christian treasure God's Word in their heart. To follow our podcast, please hit the subscribe button. If you're interested in learning more about our church, please visit LebanonBaptist.org.